Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the third Sunday of Lent and the celebration of the first scrutiny for the elect. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is Origin of Alexandria. Regarded as an ancient Christian writer, he undeniably influenced a number of the great fathers of the Church, as well as believers and theologians throughout the centuries. He died around the year 254, approximately six months after being released from prison, during which he was tortured repeatedly for his devotion to Jesus Christ. Origen was a prolific writer and gifted teacher, and many of his writings are extant and readily accessible. On this Sunday, we listen to an excerpt from Book 13 of his commentary on the Gospel of John, wherein Origen ponders the episode of Jesus and the woman of Samaria at the well. As we will hear in this selection, Origen occasionally references a person by the name of Heraklion. Heraklion was a Gnostic writer who lived around the year 175-180. And he offered a good number of commentaries on some of the Christian scriptures, particularly the Gospel according to St. John. Gnosticism was a movement that held salvation was attained through acquiring a secret gnosis, the Greek word for knowledge. Many of the early fathers of the church, such as St. Irenaeus, vigorously taught against Gnosticism as it ultimately denied the need for salvation in the person Jesus Christ. Origen, like Irenaeus, does his fair share of battling Gnostic tenets. In dealing with the writings of Heraklion, Origen seems to enter into a conversation with him, at times agreeing with Heraklion's insights, but at other times pointing out areas of divergence with Christian revelation. Finally, I have also included a link to this Sunday's blog entry 
on another aspect of this Sunday's Gospel that deals with metanoia, that radical transforming of mind, body, and heart that the Samaritan woman permitted to happen to herself. And now, Origins Insights concerning the last part of the episode of Jesus and the Woman of Samaria, verses 39 to 42 of chapter 4 of the Gospel according to St. John. After the Samaritan woman left her water jar and went into the city to announce the things concerning the Savior, and while those who believe the word of the woman are coming to the Lord, the Savior, meanwhile, addressing the disciples, has spoken the previously mentioned words when the disciples requested that he eat. And after the words addressed to the disciples that we have examined to the best of our ability, the scripture takes up again the matters concerning those who have come to the Savior from the city and who have believed because of the testimony of the woman who said, He told me everything which I have done. Now, if we grasp what was said above without about Samaria, the Samaritan woman, and the fountain of Jacob, it is not difficult to see how those who have been frustrated with false teachings leave the city of opinions, as it were, when they happen upon sound teaching. And when they have left it, they soundly believe the saving teaching because of one woman who had earlier received the saving teaching at the fountain of Jacob and who left her previously mentioned water jar in order to summon others that they too might be benefited in the same way. Heraklion has taken the phrase out of the city to stand for out of the world, and the phrase, because of the word of the woman, to mean through the spiritual church. The word many signifies that there are many natural men, and he says the one woman is the incorruptible nature of the elect, which is simple and single. We have opposed these interpretations as best we were able in our words above. Someone will plausibly contrast these words with the words, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of the Samaritans. For when the Savior who said, Do not enter the city of the Samaritans, was asked to remain with the Samaritans, he remained there two days. It is clear, therefore, that the disciples had also entered with him. But we must say to this, 
that to go into the way of the Gentiles is to adopt some Gentile teaching which is foreign to the Israel of God and to walk according to it. And to enter a city of the Samaritans is to be engaged in some knowledge falsely so called of those who claim to devote themselves to the words of the law or the prophets or the gospels or the apostles. But it is possible that when the Samaritans left their own city and came to Jesus besides Jacob's fountain, Jesus welcomed the decision of those who believed and remained with those who asked. I think that John deliberately has not written that the Samaritans asked him to enter Samaria or to enter the city, but to remain with them. For to remain with the believer and to enter his city are not the same. Moreover, in what follows, he does not say, and he remained in that city two days, or he remained in Samaria, but he remained there, that is, with those who asked. For Jesus remains with those who ask, and especially when those who ask him come out of their city and come to Jesus, as if in imitation of Abraham, when he obeyed God who said, Go forth out of your country and from your kindred and out of your father's house. And Jesus remains two days with those who asked him, for they did not yet comprehend also his third day, since they were not able to comprehend anything miraculous, such as those who dined with Jesus on the third day at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. The beginning, therefore, of the many who believed from Samaria was the word of the woman who testified, He told me everything that I have done. But the growth and multiplication of the many more who believed was no longer because of the woman's word, but because of the word himself. For the word is not perceived in the same way when he himself bears testimony of himself as he enlightens the one receiving him, and when he is testified to by being spoken of by another. Heraklion has this to say on these passages. He remained with them and not in them. And the two days means either the present age and the age to come in marriage, or the time before his passion and that after the passion, which is spent with them and converted many more to faith by his own word, after which he was separated from them. But 
we must remark in relation to his observation, which seems correct, that with them and not in them has been written that the following statement uses the phrase with them in the same way. Behold, I am with you all the days. For he did not say, I am in you. And further, when he says, the two days are either this age or the one to come, or the time before the Passion and after the Passion, he has not understood the ages to come after the coming age, concerning which the Apostle says that he might show in the ages to come. Nor does he perceive that it is not only before and after his Passion that Jesus is with those who come to him, after which he is separated from them, for Jesus is always with his disciples, never leaving them, so that they also can say, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. They renounce their faith that was based on the speech of the woman when they discover that they too have heard the Savior himself is better than that faith, so that they too know that this is truly the Savior of the world. It is better indeed to become an eyewitness of the Word and to hear him without the use of physical organs and the intervention of teachers, teaching and bringing images before the intellect, which discovers the representations of the truth most clearly than to hear the message about him through the ministers who have seen him when one neither sees him nor is illuminated by his power. For it is impossible for the one who is taught by someone who has seen him and who describes him to have the same experience that occurred in respect of the intellect to the one who has seen him. It is better indeed to walk by sight than by faith. For this reason, those who walk by sight, as it were, would be said to be engaged in those gifts which come first, the word of wisdom given by the Spirit of God, and the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Those who walk by faith, on the other hand, are inferior to the former in rank, although faith is a gift according to the saying, and to another, faith in the same Spirit. But we must examine when and how Paul says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. For how, as the majority understand it, does he who most solemnly speaks the following words walk by faith and not by sight? Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? 
Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? Let us see then how we must take the saying, for we walk by faith and not by sight, when we understand it in the context of the words that precede it. Now he who makes us for this very thing is God, who has given us the pledge of the Spirit. Therefore, always being confident and knowing that while we are in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight, and it is clear that we, were, we are in the body when we are absent from the Lord. Being confident, we choose rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Since these matters are expressed in this way, in order to understand what it means to be present in the body and to be absent from the Lord, and what it means to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, let us ask ourselves what we will say about the Apostle. Was it that being present in the body he was absent from the Lord? Or that being absent from the body he was present with the Lord? But clearly, since those who are in the flesh cannot please God, and the saints are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in them. Paul was neither in the flesh nor in the body, for he speaks the truth when he says, And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. He was not indeed present in the flesh and in the body, since the one who is present in the body walks by faith, not by sight. And consider it the precise meaning of the apostle can be that being in the flesh and being present in the body do not mean the same thing. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are present in the body are absent from the Lord, but they walk by faith though they are not yet able to walk by sight. I think that those who walk according to the flesh are in the flesh. Those who, ever, who do not understand the spiritual meanings of Scripture, but nevertheless are wholly devoted to it and to its bodily meaning, are present in the body and absent from the Lord. For if the Lord is spirit, how is he who does not yet contain the spirit who gives life and the spiritual meaning of scripture not absent from the Lord? But such a man walks by faith. The one, however, who compares spiritual things with spiritual and who becomes spiritual the man who judges all things, but is himself judged by no one, is absent from the body and present with the Lord. 
Now it seems good to us that we have made these comments. Although it has involved a digression into the apostolic sayings. At any rate, these comments are most urgent in regard to the distinction in the account of the Samaritans, who no longer believe because of the saying of the woman, but who have heard and know that this is the Savior of the world. There is nothing astonishing, however, in the fact that some are said to walk by faith and not by sight, and others to walk by sight, which is greater than walking by faith. All holy men and women, pray for us. Let us pray. O God, author of every mercy and of all goodness, who in fasting, prayer, and almsgiving have shown us a remedy for sin, look graciously on this confession of our lowliness, that we who are bowed down by our conscience may always be lifted up by your mercy. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. <laughs>